The following message is from the North Shore Christian Centre MP3 Audio Lounge. More information about North Shore Christian Centre is available at www.nscc.org.au. Have you got your Bibles? It's always a good thing to have your Bible in church. I've been up to Luke chapter 17. Luke chapter 17. i read to you the story of the healing of the ten lepers. The healing of the... 10 lepers. How many of you are looking forward to Christmas? Uh, how many of you love gathering family around Christmas time? And how, how many of you just uh, love to give gifts? How many of you love to receive gifts? How many of you, I'm not answering because it's a trick question. <laughs> okay, let's move on. Let's read the scripture in Luke chapter 17. It says this, now it happened as he went to Jerusalem. Okay, give, let me give you the setting. Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem, and it's just before the crucifixion. So this is, this is probably a few weeks before the crucifixion. It could have been maybe a week before the crucifixion. So he's coming down from the Galilee. He's, he's on his way to Judea, which is where Jerusalem is. And he's passing through this uh, region, which is on the border of Galilee and Samaria. And he entered a certain village... And there he met 10 men who were lepers, who stood afar off. Now, now the reason they stood afar off was that they weren't allowed into the village. Back in those days, if you had leprosy, you had to literally be removed from the community and live outside of the community in leper colonies. And so these 10 men were together in, in a colony. And uh, they, were, they might have been on a hill overlooking the village and they saw Jesus coming in. And so what happens is they lifted up their voices and began to shout so that they could get the attention of Jesus. The 10 guys, they made a deal. Come on, let's all get together. Let's shout. Let's see if we can get Jesus' attention. And so they began shouting, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And they're shouting. And the whole village would have been able to hear. And Jesus turned, got their attention. And so what happens uh, when he saw them, he just, all Jesus did was point to them and said, go show yourselves to the priests. Now, understand this. That back in those days, the priests actually determined if someone had leprosy or someone didn't have leprosy. It was, they, they were trained to view and to see and to ascertain. And so if the priest said you had leprosy, that was like excommunication from the community. And he was, that, that, when that word was said, you have leprosy, you're out. Basically, they had to leave family, they had to leave town, they had to go to the leper colony. So only the priest then could actually reverse the decision and say, well, you don't have leprosy anymore, you can come back into community. And so Jesus says, go show yourself to the priest. And the Bible says, as they went, they were cleansed. What a beautiful miracle. As they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, he looked, the leprosy had gone. It was gone. This is what he says. This is what the Bible says. When he saw that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice 
glorified God. He returned with gratitude, with thankfulness, and he shouted glory to God with a loud voice. When, when you read the original uh, uh, languages, it means this guy got rid of all of his reservations and just started to shout Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. I'm so grateful for the miracle that's happened in my life. And then Jesus talks to him and says, weren't there 10 cleansed? Didn't didn't I pray for 10 people? Wasn't it? I distinctly remember a whole bunch of you guys shouting. and, And I'm sure there were 10. And then he says, but where are the nine? Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except for this foreigner? And he said, arise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. You know what? You, when, when you read this passage, there's a hint that Jesus was a, a little bit upset. I mean, can you read that in the passage, in the text, that Jesus wasn't happy there's, when, when, when this statement, were there not 10 cleansed, but where are the nine? Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except for this foreigner? The foreigner was the Samaritan. And I'll talk about that later on. But what I want to focus on in this passage is the focus of this passage was not just about healing. It's about gratitude. It's all about gratitude. I want to talk to you today about the healthiest of all human emotions. So often we kind of think that love is the healthiest of human emotions. Can I just say that love is probably the most powerful of human emotions? There's no question about love. And we've heard millions of messages on love. I'm going to talk to you about what I consider the healthiest of human emotions, and that's gratitude. I want to talk to you today about gratitude, especially as we're leading up to Christmas and the giving of gifts and how important it is for us to adopt this attitude of gratitude. See, I really believe that gratitude and love are incredibly connected because it's gratitude that magnifies love. So, so this is what happens, you know. I say to Anne sometimes, well, I say to her all the time, every day I say I love her. But what happens sometimes, she sort of gets a little bit playful and says, why? And so what's happening there is that she's wanting to tap into the reasons behind love. And what happens is this, is that there, love is magnified when we begin to express gratitude, when I say, because you committed yourself to me, because you made a decision 34 years ago, next week's going to be our 34th wedding anniversary. And incidentally, our wedding anniversary is on Greg and Susan's wedding day. So next week, I think they're in the next service. Greg and Susan are getting married. You know, Greg, our bass player, he's getting married next Saturday and uh, on our wedding anniversary. So that's great. But so we're going to celebrate it the following day. It's okay. It's okay. It's cool. But, but what happens is this, is that love is magnified when it's connected to gratitude. And so when I said, Anne, I love you because you made a commitment to me 34 years ago. You basically said, I will stick with you for, until death do us part. 
I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for for just the way that you demonstrate your your affection and your love towards me, the things that you do for me. Just I'm grateful for that. And so and and so you go through a whole list of gratitude, and that magnifies love. I want to say to you that that gratitude is one of the greatest and healthiest emotions that we can express. Let me define what gratitude is. It's just a feeling of appreciation and thankfulness. That's all it is. A feeling of appreciation and thankfulness. It's a recognition that something good has happened to you. That a gift was given. That a blessing was imparted. So what what was done recently? Gallup did a survey of the world's happiest nations. Isn't that amazing? They did a survey of the happiest nations. And you know what they found? <laughs> this, is, this is what they found. They found that the happiest nations were not the richest nations. Because we kind of think that money makes us happy. Money helps, but it's not the key to, to happiness. Matter of fact, in the survey, what they found was that the wealthier you are, the less happy you are. And they they actually found a threshold. They found that up until about $75,000 a year, money does add something. But once you get over the $75,000 threshold, they found that the happiness factor really depleted enormously. Isn't that amazing? But what they found was this, the top 10 countries in the world, the happiest countries in the world, and nine of the top 10 countries in the world, nine out of the top 10 are found in Latin America. Come on. There you go. See, happy people. (laughs) It's amazing. Nine of the top 10. And you know what Australia got? Australia got number 18. Number 18. It's not too bad. Not too bad. Not too bad. But uh, Paraguay, Panama, Guatemala, Nicaragua, Ecuador, Costa Rica, Colombia, Honduras, Venezuela, they all, all scored incredibly high. Then they found out what the top three things that bring happiness is. How many of you want to know what the top three things? Here it is. It's relationships. Relationships, gratitude, and giving to others. Relationships, gratitude, and giving to others. And basically, the happiness factor had nothing to do with what you had property-wise or what you had money-wise or what you had possession-wise. It had more to do with relationships, gratitude, and giving to others. Isn't that amazing? I find that amazing. Let's get back to the story of the 10 lepers. Because the whole story here rests upon this gratitude factor that nine of them lacked. So let's talk about what they did right because they did some things right. And I love, I want to focus on what these 10 lepers did that was right. Here it is, five things they did right. The first thing they did right was that they created community. They created a connect group of 10. I love that. They were right into connect groups. So even though they were disqualified from community, they established their own community. Their community... Of, they had a common factor amongst them, and it was their leprosy. So they, they were pushed out of one community, but they discovered that alone we're going to die. 
alone, life is even worse. So let's gather together as a community. We might all be lepers, but let's be lepers together. And they created this community of 10 people. That's a good thing. Second thing they did was they created synergy. And here it is. They were on a hill far away. But they discovered that if they can get together and all together raise their voice, they might be able to get Jesus' attention. And so there's something powerful about synergy. There's something powerful about putting what you've got together and using it as a group. And so they put their voices together. They didn't have much, but they put their voices together and they began to shout and they got Jesus' attention. Maybe one of them mightn't have got his attention. Maybe two mightn't have got his attention. But 10 all shouting together got Jesus' attention. That's the power of synergy. The third thing they did right was that they joined their faith together for a miracle. The whole 10 of them said, come on, we believe in Jesus. We believe in the power of God. Let's join our faith together. And so the 10 of them joined their faith together. Isn't that a wonderful thing that they're doing? Sometimes we just always look at what they did wrong rather than looking at what they did right. Here's the fourth thing that they did right. They connected to Jesus. And I love this connection that they had with Jesus. They connected to his power, his authority, and his compassion. So the three things that they said was, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So they connected to Jesus, the power of God. How many of you know that Jesus is the power of God? God manifested in the flesh. So they connected to his power. Then, then they go to the word master. And that word master is in the Greek, the one that has the highest authority. So it's used in, in so many terms for the king of a country. This word master is used for the king. It's the highest person in that country. It's also used for the captain of a ship. The same word is used for the captain of a ship. On that vessel, this man has the highest authority. And they used that same word for Jesus. They understood he had power. They also understood he had authority. Then the third thing they connected to Jesus was his compassion. Have mercy on us, Jesus. Have mercy upon us. And I love this. What do I love about this? That anyone that ever connected to the compassion of Christ got a miracle. Anybody that ever called out for mercy, have mercy on us. They received mercy. And these guys understood that if we connect to the power, the authority, and the compassion, we'll get a miracle. They understood that to connect with Jesus is to connect to his power, to connect to his authority, to connect to his compassion. And the fifth thing that they did right was that they obeyed. Go and show yourself to the priest. And so they went. There was no argument. There was no, well, I'm a bit busy today. You know, I've got, I've just bought some oxen and I'm going to go test them out. I just bought some land. I went to see them. I just bought it. How many of you know that so many people make excuses to not obey? But these guys just went. They went. They went. They went. And as they went, they did it right. They got their miracle. And so... They did lots of things right. And there's a lot of people in church that do things right. How many of you think that's a great thing to, to you know, be connected in relationship, to have synergy, to faith, to be connected with Jesus, to obey? How many of you think that's a lot of good things to have? 
But one thing they lacked, well, at least nine of them, one thing they lacked, and that was gratitude. They got healed, but they didn't come back to say thank you. They they were pretty content when they had a need to, with a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. But when they got healed, they were silent. Except for one guy. He was a Samaritan. Now, now, this is the amazing thing. That Samaritans and Jews were at loggerheads all the time. They, 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 the Samaritans and the Jews, they weren't the best of friends. But what I find fascinating in this story was that, is that there was a mixture of Samaritans and Jews in the community of the lepers. And so sometimes what happens is that our need overcomes our prejudice. And that's what happened with them. Their need overcame their prejudice. And so, and so this guy that had his whole life prejudiced all of a sudden was welcomed into the community because he was a leper and nowhere to go. But, but he understood gratitude. And I think sometimes to whom much is forgiven, there's much love. And so here's this guy then coming back and the same volume that he used in asking for the miracle. Jesus, Master, have mercy upon us. The same volume he used for gratitude. Jesus, I want to thank you. So thank you. I I love that. He didn't turn the volume down for gratitude. Because what happens sometimes is that our volume is always up for demand, but always down for thanks. Huh? Sometimes when it comes to demand, oh, Our eloquence is unbelievable. Hey, Daddy, you're the best daddy in the world. I would really love this for Christmas. And And, and then when the present is given, thanks, Dad. (laughs) What I love about this guy was the same volume that was used for demand was the same volume that was used for gratitude. Come on, can we be that thankful to God? Because I want to talk to you right now about gratitude. Let's talk about gratitude. I'm going to spend the next 15 minutes talking about gratitude because I'm not convinced that we do gratitude well. In 1971, it was March 1971, we landed in Italy. It was my first visit. I was born in Australia. And in February of 1971, we embarked on a ship, the Lloyd Triestino Line, Galileo Galileo, from uh, Sydney. And we embarked in February. It took us 30 days to travel via the Panama Canal to get to Italy. And so we arrived in Messina and uh, in Sicily. And my grandfather was there. With, with a, a little mini bus and we put all of our stuff and we caught a ferry across from Messina to Reggio Calabria and then we traveled up to my grandfather's house and we got there at about 10 o'clock at night and when we entered into his house, the very first words that I said when we entered his house was were these words, why doesn't someone switch on the lights? Because I had no idea that my grandfather lived in a house with no electricity. I was born in Australia. 
I was born with the, here's a light switch, you flick it on and the lights come on. I had known nothing else. Go into this place and the thing that I took for granted didn't exist. Why doesn't someone switch on the lights? Oh, John, um, we've got lamps here. That's the lights. Oh, I went to bed, woke up in the morning, wanted to go to the bathroom. This toilet doesn't flush. What's? Oh, then the second discovery, not only did my grandfather not have any lights in the house, he also had no water in the house either. My whole life, I was used to press this button and it all disappears. How many, you know, it just never took a, I never ever showed any gratitude for pressing a button and it all disappears. Never said thanks, never. Then went into the kitchen and there's no taps in the kitchen. Why? Because no water. I mean, my whole life I was used to turning on a tap and beautiful, fresh, clean water comes out of the tap. And then I began to become very negative. Really, really negative. Because what I took for granted didn't exist. But you know what I took for granted I never said thanks for? When was the last time you flushed the toilet and said, oh, thank you, Jesus? <laughs> thank you that it all disappears. And we know, not, we know whence it comes, but we know not whence it goes. It just goes. And, we're, and it's sort of, we're used to it. But I'm telling you, with my grandfather's place, you got a bucket, you had to go and walk to the fountain. There was, a, there was a spring of water about 200 meters away. And you would go there and you'd get your water and you'd fill up. The, and then you'd put the water in a bucket and you'd pour it down into the toilet. And there was a, there was a pipe that went from the toilet into the backyard. And that's where it would sit. And so you knew where it was going. Because you could smell it a mile away. And it was like, my goodness. So what am I saying to you? I'm saying this. That so often we take so much for granted and never show appreciation. When was the last time you, 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 you showed appreciation for just turning on that faucet, that tap at home and water, beautiful, clean water comes out? Do you realize that one billion people on this planet do not have the privilege of turning on a tap and having clean water. One billion people. So we're doing something about it. We're, we're at, through our coffee machine. We've already done two wells. We're on our way to our third well in Cambodia, making a difference. Your coffee is making a difference in people's lives. But when was the last time you turn on a tap and the, when the water comes, you said, thank you, Jesus, this is awesome. Look at this clean water and just started splashing around happy. When you get home today, splash around. Now, research has proven that gratitude is the king of emotions. Gratitude, this is what research has proven, that gratitude is good for your health. Gratitude actually releases dopamine and other chemicals in your brain that creates amazing health. This is what research has proven, that gratitude actually releases chemicals that make you healthy. 
So, so this dopamine makes you happier. Some people take drugs to make them happier. You know what? It's free to say thank you. And it does the same thing. Happy people, you look at me as happy people, are you on drugs or something? Yeah, actually, the more I say thank you, the more drugs are released in my body and the happier I get. It reduces blood pressure. Do you know what increases blood pressure? Stress. Do you know what reduces blood pressure? Gratitude. It makes your heart healthier. You want a healthy heart? Just start to say thank you a lot more. It actually even gives you better sleep. People sleep better that have an attitude of gratitude. This is research has proven this. Not just the Bible, but research. How many of you know that the Bible will always say the truth? And then research just reveals what the Bible has already said. But it's a very powerful thing. We live in a day and age where they say, show me the research rather than show me the book. But I'll show you the book and the research and show that they're connected. And then this is the, the fifth thing that, the, that researchers have discovered is that, is that gratitude actually makes you a nicer person. Wow, it took a lot of research to discover that. How, how many of you know that, that uh, grateful people really are nicer people and it improves relationships? It really does. Let me talk to you about how my gratitude impacted my relationship with my father. My, my father came to Australia in 1952 and um, he always wanted the best for me. And so, but the way that he would do that was not the way that I wanted. And so my father was very, very strict, incredibly strict. So strict, in, ca- in fact, that I thought that he was taking away my enjoyment, but he was actually limiting. So what we have now is schoolies, and, um, and schoolies go off to Bali or to the Gold Coast, and they get drunk. There was no way in the world that my father would ever let me do anything like that, anything to do with uh, that sort of stuff. He would put the brakes on and say, no, that is not what I'm raising you up to do. So he's very, very strict. Now, when you're a teenager... What happens is that you react to the strictness. And rather than seeing the benefits of it, all you see is the negatives of it. And so, and so there was a season in my life where I really would be in loggerheads with my dad. And there would be arguments and fights. And my mother, being the peacemaker, would always try to bring peace. And, and, uh, and so the, if, if my mum and dad ever had any arguments, it was her trying to protect me and uh, those, those sort of things. And so I grew up in this, in this household where my father was a good man, a great provider, a man of God, prayed, but so strict that, that I just would fight. But let me tell you what happened. He had a heart attack when I was uh, in the ministry. I was pastoring in Lismore, had a heart attack, he nearly died. Basically, they said his life was over, was over and uh, if they could save it, they might be able to extend it for one year, but that was about it. And so I, I decided, mate, I'd better make my peace with my dad. 
Even though I was a pastor at the time, I don't think I'd ever made my peace. I, I, you know, I'd said some, some terrible things when I was a teenager, and I don't even know if I actually were able, was able to counteract it. And so he'd gotten home, he'd had his operation, open heart surgery, he was in bed. And, uh, and I went up to him, and I, and, and I actually wrote down all the things that he had done that were good. Not the things that he'd done that were bad, because we can always recall the negatives of people. Isn't it amazing how, how you know, if you're in an argument with your wife, so what is it you don't like about her? Oh, where do I stop? What is it that you like about her? Ah, oh, let me think about that. Uh, so I started to write down all the things that my father had done for me. The sacrifice. I started right there when he left Italy in the early 50s with one desire to make a better life for his family. And he had to say goodbye to his mum and dad and he never saw them again. They died before he was able to go back to Italy because he was wanting to make a better life for his family. Education. He educated his kids. He worked hard. He, and, and so I started to write down all the things that he'd done. And, and the list went on and on and on. When I started to think about it, there was just so many things that he'd done right. So many things that was good. So I went in his room and I just said, Dad, I want to have a talk with you. A talk like I've never had before. And I started to go. And I said, I want to thank you. And I started to say what I wanted to thank him for. I want to thank you for this. And I want to thank you. And as I started thanking him, tears started to roll down his eyes. As I saw my father crying, I started to cry as well, but I wanted to go through the whole, the whole list of gratitude and gratitude. At that stage, I now had my own sons. So Stephen and Daniel, they were born at this stage. Christella still hadn't come along, but Stephen and Daniel were born. And I started to understand when I looked at Stephen and Daniel, what a father's heart is all about. And I started to see what I didn't understand before, that a father's heart is there to provide and to protect. And so often your provision and your protection is focused in such a way that maybe the people that receive the, the provision and protection don't fully understand. But now I, I better understood. And so, I'm start, and so it took me half an hour to get through all the gratitude. And by the time we'd finished, both of us were bawling like babies and hugging. And, and it just totally changed our relationship totally changed our relationship gratitude was the linchpin that changed everything and um and we never went back to the way we used to be you know sort of off off offhandish way we just went across and into a whole new level of relationship and i want to say to you that that is the key to magnifying love is gratitude so let me finish this morning by just telling you how to become more grateful. Number one, you want to become more grateful? Focus on what you have, not what you don't have. You've got a choice. You can either be angry for what you don't have or you can be grateful for what you do have. Because I guarantee if you're going through life angry, it's because you're focusing on what you don't have. But if you start to be grateful for what you do have, it just changes everything in your life. It changes everything. So the second thing, if you want to become more grateful, is this. Establish an attitude of gratitude 
aptitude. You got that? Everybody say it. A gratitude, an attitude of gratitude aptitude. You can't say it, can you? Try it again. An attitude of gratitude aptitude. Say to the person next to you, an attitude of gratitude aptitude. Wow, it's hard, isn't it? An aptitude is a lifestyle. It's, an aptitude is just the way you do life. So, so let's have an attitude of gratitude aptitude that we do life like that. So the whole aptitude is gratitude. So, so how do you do this? Okay, are you ready for this? You've got to establish habits that are habits that are connected to gratitude. So what are some of the habits? Before you eat, you say grace. All grace is saying, God, I want to thank you that you created this world and you created this food and it's come to my plate and I'm grateful for that today. I'm grateful. I'm grateful not only for your provision, I'm also grateful for the people that have prepared it. I'm I'm grateful. I I don't take for granted that someone clicked their fingers and the food has come on the plate. Someone has put some effort into this and I'm grateful for that. Thank you. Thank you. you. How many of you can move out of ritual to actual focus and just be grateful? Just be grateful. Imagine, imagine today at lunchtime, if whoever does the cooking, how many of you, how many, how many husbands do the cooking at your place? How many wives do the cooking? How many get it from the fast food store? Just go to the fast food lady and say, thank you. I'm just so grateful that you made this food and, and stop me from starving. I'm just think- imagine what they would say. Huh? Imagine if all you children... Come on, dads. If mum did the cooking, just prime them up. Say, what I want you to do today is you go and grab mum and you give her the biggest hug and plant a biggest day. Thank you, mum. If it wasn't for you, I'd be starving. But now I'm nice and fat. I'm just so grateful. <laughs> just say something positive. Just, just break the shackles. Just begin to... Have this whole attitude of saying thank you for every service. If someone serves you at a restaurant, don't just say thanks. Say, do you know, I really appreciate the fact that you served me this food today. And you say, but she was miserable. Let me tell you, as soon as you start focusing on gratitude, it turns their misery right around. You know, I, I, I try to do this all the time. If I go to a checkout, you know, at Woolies or something... I see the person's name and I call them by name. I want to thank you so much for serving me. And you can see them just click out of remote control into, are you for real? Are you on drugs or something? It's, it's just turns everything around. Gratitude gets people's attention. You know, next time you go to the dentist, just... And you, you still feel it, just go, thank you very much, brother. I'm no longer feeling crook. <laughs> come on, Steve, you can come up now. It's, uh, that was your cue for coming up. He went to the dentist yesterday, incidentally. Okay, here's something for you to do. Are you ready for this? Here's your homework. Everybody say homework. Are you ready for this? It's called 40 Days of Praise. 40 days of praise. Everybody say 40 days of praise. 
Okay, if you can do this, this will change everything in your life. You'll have an attitude of gratitude aptitude. 40 days. It takes 40 days to establish it. Are you ready for this? For the next 40 days, get yourself either a journal or get on Facebook or Twitter, social media, I don't care. But for the next 40 days, I want you to write down three things for which you are grateful. Three things. Not one thing, but three things. Just for the next 40 days, and I want to see this on social media, hashtag 40 days of praise. Huh? Come on. How many of you can do this? Hashtag 40 days of praise. And just three things for which you're grateful. I guarantee, I guarantee, I prophesy that if you start doing this, everything will change in your life. You start, your whole attitude will change. Your whole disposition will change. You know, your focus will change because so often we can be looking at what we don't have rather than what we do have. We can be, we can be flicking the lights on and just taking it for granted. And then one day you realize there's no lights here to flick on. What's going on? Wow, I took that for granted my whole life. And it's only when it's gone that I start appreciating it. My whole life, I never ever said, thank you that I can flick a switch and the lights come on. I never even, I never even said thank you for that. I just took that for granted. I never ever said thank you that I can actually turn a tap and water comes out. What is that? Water, clean. <laughs> what? And it's in our house. I want to say thank you for that. I want to thank you that I can actually get into a bed at night and feel safe. Just what safety? How many people go to sleep at night and sleep with one eye open and one eye shut because they don't feeling they're not feeling safe? How many people in this world go to sleep at night and there's bombs smashing everywhere, crashing everywhere? We went to bed one night in Bahrain and just a kilometer away from, from our hotel, there were bullets flying. And so Anne, Anne is absolutely mortified by this. So she goes to the front desk and said, what is going on? Oh, there's just some clashes between these things, these people. And she says, she says this is terrible. She, and, and the person at the front desk just took it for granted. This is life. And then began to be so thankful for Australia because we don't have bullets flying around the place a kilometer. But when was the last time you said, thank you, God, that we don't have bullets flying around our house? I don't think Anne ever, ever was grateful for that until we went to Bahrain that one time and we realized how blessed we were to live in a safe country. Come on. There are so many things to be grateful for. And if you can't find three things a day, you need to... Get some help. Seriously, you need to get some help because your focus is so negative that you can't find three things. Are you kidding me? And my last thing is this. Begin all of your prayers with an attitude of gratitude. If you ever get to pray, and I hope that you do on a daily basis, here it is. Psalm 100 verse 4 says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Just if you come into God's presence, don't come whinging and whining and complaining. Oh, God, it's the end of the world. Just before you do that, you can whinge and whine later, but start, God, I want to thank you for the life that you've given me. God, I want to thank you 
that you revealed Jesus to me. I want to thank you, Lord. Just start going through the whole thing. I want to thank you that I live in this beautiful country. Thank you, Lord, for friends. Thank you, Lord, for North Shore Christian Center, great church. Oh, oh by the way, God, thank you for my pastor. Thank you. He's such a great man of God. <laughs> That's tongue in cheek. But just be grateful. Be grateful and everything will change. I'm telling you. How many of you are going to do this? Okay. So, so if, you, if you're on social media, tag me in. I want to see what you're grateful for. I just want that whole attitude of gratitude, especially as we're coming into Christmas. Just thank you, God, for Jesus. Thank you, God, for Jesus. Thank you, God, for Jesus. If you want to say that three times, I'm happy. Thank you, God, for Jesus. Thank you, God, for Jesus. Thanks for listening to this message from the North Shore Christian Center Audio Lounge. We invite you to visit us online at www.nscc.org.au. Through our website, you can keep up to date with what's happening in the life of our church in Chatswood, New South Wales, as well as accessing other free resource materials. 